0: what's up cool cats and cuties this is the promenade merchants podcast a star trek podcast out on the frontier so sit down and grab a rock to gino as david majors and heather kirby talk all things star trek old new and what's to come the promenade merchants are open for business what is up everybody welcome to the promenade merchants podcast Your favorite Trek podcast, favorite scrappy underdog Star Trek podcast. I'm David Majors, my co-host, Miss Heather Kirby. What's up, Heather?
1: What is... Up, it feels like it has been forever (laughs) since we got to talk, but you know the the Kardashian computers at the on Deep Space Nine were acting up again. So yeah, sometimes technology gets in the way.
0: Technology got in the way here. My, My entire sensor array died, and then I I went through the wormhole for a little vacation. Uh, I, I have a I have a special someone uh, in the Gamma Quadrant on the other side of the wormhole, so that was fun for a little bit. Uh, as Heather, long
1: as they're not a member of the Dominion. I don't think
0: they are. Okay. I don't think they are.
1: No Dominion spies allowed up in here.
0: N- no, no, I don't think so. Pretty sure she's not a changeling either, I, I don't okay. think. Okay, well, All there's
1: right. nothing wrong with changeling. changelings. Changeling's can be good. We love Odo. He's awesome. true. true. So.
0: Uh, and, of course, you're, you're going through a move, so there's a lot of things happening here at the Promenade Merchants Podcast, but in between all of that, we're still going to talk about some Star Trek, everybody. This is a Star Trek podcast, after all, and, yeah, that's what we're here to do. Now, if you're new to the show, thanks to our boys at the Trek Geeks, uh, shout out to them, big thanks, uh, if you're new to the show... We kind of do this in segments. We start with old business, where we talk about classic Star Trek. Pretty much everything up to and including-ish the Kelvin universe. Maybe sprinkling some things afterwards. Uh, New business is things that are happening right now like right right now Uh, if you've listened to the show you know we're talking about discovery season three we were talking about lower decks the stuff in the star trek world that is happening right right now and then upcoming business we look ahead to the future now we're going to start with old business heather this is one we've had for a little bit uh i'm gonna let you take the con on this one Uh, tell us what we've got for old business this week
1: okay yeah so you and me have been tossing around this topic for a little while uh the you know there's different memes that go around online like different things like name name characters that you like or name your favorite five characters tag five people things like that so there was one going around a while back that said name the three star trek characters that describe your personality and I just thought that was interesting, because especially when you take three different characters, you can kind of piece together the different aspects of your personality from different characters. So when I thought about it, uh, the three characters I came up with to personally describe my personality would be Seven of Nine, Uh Lieutenant Commander Paul Stamets from Discovery. He's the only one from the new universe in there. And number one, the original number one, played by Majel Barrett. I do love Rebecca Romaine, but I have a personal soft spot for Majel. So the original number one comes in there. And the three things that they kind of cover in my personality is that uh, while Stamets is definitely the smart snarky side of me. Stamets is the attitude. Um, it's the kind of walking around knowing that you're smarter than everybody else, because yes, I get like that sometimes. It just happens, you know, you gotta admit it. Uh, so that that that's definitely my stamina side. Uh, seven of nine is honestly my exploring side, uh, kind of exploring and adventuring and discovering new things and learning about the world and wanting to see more of it and wanting to understand myself. And then uh, number one is kind of the calm and collected side. So it, it it's the Num- number one is kind of the collected front before you show the attitude of the Stamets side. So okay. those are the three Star Trek characters that describe my personality. What about you, David?
0: Um, I will get to mine in a second, but the one that really caught my attention was number one uh, from The Cage. Uh, because I, I feel like we, from that pilot... It felt like we got very little from her. And I really found that choice when I heard you say that. It was really surprising. I would love to get a little bit more in depth on why you picked number one. Like, I found that really intriguing.
1: Well, you know, we we very we did get very little from her. Uh, I mean, you only see her in that one episode. But I think she's... Kind of the character that, in my opinion, makes the biggest impression, uh because like like everybody thinks of of Pike, obviously um and the impact that he's had in the Star trek universe and uh, but number one being a woman uh being second in command on the ship, just like her. It, it, it's kind of her air of uh, authority, but then also not flaunting it. Like, as, as, especially when you see strong women characters across all sorts of media. They are very obviously things that they do that really flaunt uh, their strength, their independence. And number one doesn't do that. Um, she she's very calm. She's very collected. She isn't outwardly uh, outwardly demanding or or uh, outwardly uh, assertive. But she still projects the assertiveness that you know she's second in command, and you know that 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 she has power. Uh, when it comes to the other male characters, even though it's not something that's outwardly projected from her. It's kind of like an inward strength that you see from her. And that's what I really resonate with because there, there's so many people when they look at strong women and they tell them that they can't like, like take like our political situation, for example, and Donald Trump who loves to sit there and fight back. What are you
0: doing, Heather? (laughs) Star Trek isn't political. Star Trek isn't political. What are you doing?
1: Well, (laughs) it is political, and that's an entire other argument. But, like, you look at at the powerful men in politics who feel so threatened by women and, and strong women that are coming very outwardly at them. And so like women have always been projected that they, they can't show their emotions. They can't do different. They, they, they can't be angry. They can't be emotional because that's a bad thing. Uh, but
0: meanwhile, the guy in the white house
1: yeah. is, a, is a
0: goddamn toddler.
1: <laughs> so when you look at number one, especially in when that was made in the 1960s, it projects, a strength of character for a women character that still shows the, the strongness and the independence and the powerfulness of her character without being these outwardly emotional things that threaten a fragile male ego. And I think that's something almost every women woman carries with them because they have to have that side of them at some point, uh, when dealing with strong men who feel threatened by that. So, uh, in, in, instead of projecting something that makes them feel more threatened, we've learned to project a strength that, uh, can still show how strong we are okay. and not be outwardly threatening. And I get that's it. What number one I get is. It.
0: I, I totally get that. Thank you very much for clearing that up. Uh, because that brings me to the first person on my list. And this is who I talked about on my episode of Trek Profiles. It's someone who I see a significant amount of myself in and that is Bellana Torres from Voyager. Um she l- likes to and in many ways had to portray this very overbearing dominant personality wherever she's gone. And it it can be a little abrasive to people. Uh but internally She's dealing with a lot of internal personal conflict and a lot of internal pain because of so many things that have happened to her in her life. Uh, She comes from a split household uh, because her father and her Klingon mother split up. And that that is something that's very close to home because of my parents uh, also growing up as a half Klingon, half human, uh, but never really fitting in with either one of them. That builds up a lot of emotional resentment and it causes her to lash out a lot. But the thing is, is that she was always very smart and very talented as an engineer. She clearly had a lot of intelligence and and capabilities, but she never really fit in anywhere. Uh, She tried to join Starfleet, but she got kicked out because she just really couldn't fit in within the system and ended up joining the Maquis because there was that part of her that felt like the Federation really wasn't a good place and that they were... Aligning with the Cardassians. And when you see this organization that is supposed to be this paragon of virtue getting in bed with the Cardassians, it really sours you on them. And then she found a mentor in Chicote and eventually ended up joining the Maquis. And the circumstances surrounding the Maquis and Voyager put her in this really interesting place to where she eventually became the Chief engineer of a Voyager, uh, despite still for a while not really getting along with Starfleet at all, but it all went back down to her having so much internal strife, uh, whether it was through her family, her heritage, uh, the trauma she was dealing with with the maquis there was just she was just an incredibly complex person that had a lot to go through. And you see on those seven years on Voyager, she grows up and she calms down some, thanks to Tom Paris a little bit, Uh, and as well as thanks to Captain Janeway, to where we see B'Elanna become much more mature, and she grows. And it's nice to see that Speaking as someone who has had to grow over time and deal with a lot of their internal conflicts and, and fight their way through life and feeling like you never really fit in anywhere, it, it was good to see someone else dealing with that. And Belana Torres was someone that was really, really big for me. Uh, also, Heather Paul Stamitz. Uh, because, uh, and, and my significant other uh, on in the Gamma Quadrant also said this to me, uh, that I have a little bit of that uh, walking around knowing that I'm smarter than everybody else, uh, while still kind of not quite getting along with everybody. And that was also on a recent episode of Discovery, where Dr. Colbert uh, was saying to Paul Stamets, about how he noticed that Paul was talking with Adira and made the point of saying uh, Paul said he liked Adira because they were incredibly intelligent. And Dr. Colbert said, yes, very intelligent. Also, not too good with making friends. Remind you of somebody? And then Paul was kind of like, uh, okay, well played. Uh, that is something... Also, that I have issues with. Uh, I've never been 100% comfortable in a lot of social spaces, and that is something that I, I struggle with. Uh, e- even when, while I try not to exude any kind of arrogance and feeling like I'm, I'm smarter than everybody else, because I'm not, uh, I, I guess I give off that impression, even when I'm not trying to. Uh, I also appreciate mushrooms. Uh, I like mushrooms on my pizza. I like mushrooms with my steak. I, I like. I've done other kinds of mushrooms before in my life, and yeah, I I can appreciate the quality of mushrooms. <laughs> and my third, uh, I believe I brought him up on Trek profiles as well, uh, from Deep Space Nine, Damar. Uh, Damar is someone who. Uh, has uh, a great deal of internal struggles when he sees the ugliness that he was a part of and it weighs on him a great amount and it pushes him towards one having a bit of a problem with alcohol and then two wanting to work really hard to fix the things that he helped cause And I feel like the best way you can... Sometimes you have to be wrong, and you have to learn the hard way in life, and sometimes you have to get beat up a little bit to learn the error of your ways. And Damar beat himself up a lot for a lot of the things he did uh, during the occupation, and he liked to tell himself that it was for the better of cardassia but now that he sees what the bajoran occupation really did uh it really eats him up because it took the dominion taking over cardassia prime for him to see the ugly results of the occupation and sometimes you have to have your nose shoved into it to to really see what you've done and i think by the end of ds9 he came out of it an incredibly noble person. And I think that's what we're all kind of striving to be. We're all striving to come out of our mistakes and come out of some of the bad things we've done and come out as a better person. So I, I think that's where Damar hits it for me as well.
1: Those are, 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 are both wonderful choices and you make awesome points and it, it makes me look at each uh at, at at least like you know I love Stamets but it makes me look at at Balana and Damar slightly differently um I'm I've said before I'm I'm not the biggest fan of balana and i'm not a huge fan of damar either but i love you david (laughs) oh that's thank you thank you Uh, but no you make wonderful points as to why they're they're good characters and and why you relate to them so um it's definitely something to think about at least for someone like me who isn't as big of a fan of those characters and, you know, I had someone tell me before, because there was another one going around where there was, like, wait, which Star Trek character is most like you. And someone told me I w- that I was, like, most like Belana, And I'm like, what? I can't stand her. And they're like, well, that might be why. You don't really like characters that are like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I I I I definitely I I see things in myself and Balana, but then I also see things that I've moved past that I don't think even towards the very end of Voyager that Balana has fully moved past when it comes to accepting herself and her differences. And that's what really holds me back on the character because I want her to do that. And I I think, like, even in the later series, especially when she becomes pregnant and she really gets worried about how her child will have to deal with stuff, knowing how she grew up being half Klingon and and human and the struggles that she dealt with. And she doesn't want her child to go through the same thing, Uh, but she's still not really accepting all of herself. And like she, she, she still struggles with the different aspects of the the thing she was born with, which is both relatable. And, and I guess it, it hits me in a hard place because I've worked very hard to struggle with aspects of things that I can't control that I was actually born with, which people will look at me differently for. And, uh, I worked really hard to accept myself and realize that it doesn't matter and it's just who I am. And if people want to look at me differently for it, you know, fuck them. Uh so that's where I get to the point when looking at Belana is that I don't think she's gotten to that point where she can look at the haters and be like, "Fuck you, this is who I am," and I want her to get to that point. And we just never completely got there in the seventies. She, she'll still
0: like do. She'll still do like the the Klingon threat. Like if you if you say something like that, I'll cut out your tongue because she's yeah <laughs> she's still half Klingon.
1: So, but you make wonderful points, and I. Thank you for talking
0: about that. Likewise. Right back at you. I really loved hearing your insight on number one. Really did. Uh, Let's jump into new business. And since we were away for a little bit, we've been kind of keeping up with regular bits of Star Trek Discovery. But since we're about halfway through season three, uh, let's just talk a little bit about how we're feeling so far. Halfway through... Star Trek Discovery Season 3. I will say that for me, this is definitely exactly what I expected. This is, like many Star Trek series before it, the third season of Discovery has really hit strongly. And we're seeing a lot of the things that I think Discovery fans wanted uh, we're seeing more of the characters. We're seeing a little bit of that mini story arc with Kayla Detmer and her PTSD. We're seeing a little bit of Lieutenant Nielsen and Bryce and Reese uh, and Owosakun. We're we're letting them have more dialogue uh, and Linus. <laughs> And Linus, Sorry. yes! <laughs> Linus has become this really cool bit of comic relief. And he had his little thing with George O that was amusing. And I just, that's the big thing for me is that we are finally seeing more of the crew of Discovery. And that that's a really good thing because you see how much from the cast on social media, you see how well they all get along, and seeing more of that cast is is really, really appealing. Uh number two, and I think this is another one that every fan of Star Trek Discovery was looking forward to, and it's only two words. Captain Saru. <laughs> I feel like we're seeing uh, a great Star Trek captain in the making. I think we're seeing Doug Jones, a incredibly gifted actor, uh, really taking a role in making it something special uh, in many different ways. And, uh, and, and your cat agrees, Heather.
1: Yes, yes, he does.
0: Doug Jones, uh, when all is said and done, I, I am looking forward to saying that Doug Jones should be right there with Patrick Stewart, Avery Books, Kate Mulgrew, and Jonathan Archer. Uh, Doug Jones, I want him right there. Uh, Seeing Saru as captain of the Discovery, really keeping the ship together, keeping the crew together, and still growing as an officer and learning how to be a Starfleet captain. Uh, Because like he said early in the season, Captain Pike made it look effortless. But you have to remember, Captain Pike had already been the captain of the Enterprise for a few years already. Yeah. Right, right. I agree with your cat again. (laughs) And this was, this is Saru's first command. And it's not going to be easy. It never is. Especially when you have a first officer like Michael Burnham. And... I think that he's really growing into the role as the captain, and I'm really looking forward to to seeing how that goes. Also, the time jump is really exciting. Uh, I'm really excited in seeing what Discovery will do 930 years into the future, where yeah. they are not really bound by canon at all. Yeah, they're creating their own canon. They're back a part of Starfleet, and we have a federation to rebuild, and I'm really looking forward to that.
1: I, I just I I've, I've look at season three as a whole so far, and it just makes me so happy. I mean, I, it, every single episode, and this is as much as I am almost a discovery apologist, This is the first season where we're six episodes in. And I can't tell you if there is an episode that sits below uh, out of all six. I love each and every one of them for different aspects and different reasons. And the writing, I think they've really hit their stride. They figure out how to weave these stories together so they don't feel rushed. They don't feel like they're trying to cram so much into one episode, even though uh, they have so much to tell being in a new century and in a new situation and having to deal with all the issues that the 32nd century is presenting them. And yes, I know you have opinions, Logan, but I'm talking now. <laughs> uh, so Logan I,
0: is excited for season three as well.
1: He, he very much is. And it, it just makes me so happy after watching every single episode. Um, I'm I'm really enjoying all of it. I'm enjoying the new characters that they've added this year. Um Cleveland Booker and Grudge. See, I mentioned Grudge. You can stop whining now. The cats wanted me to mention Grudge. She's um, a queen. <laughs> she's a queen. Um, uh, and Adira and Gray add so much to the, the, the characters that are already on discovery and are helping them learn things about themselves. Like you mentioned earlier, Stamets reaching out to Adira uh, because he does see himself in them you know and they are in such a unique situation and honestly Stamitz has been through that he can relate to the situation that they're in in dealing with seeing their their, their lover's soul and, ha- and carrying that with them because Stamitz did that with Colber It's such a unique situation. And to have him meet another character that's going through the same thing in which he can help and teach and learn and grow together is just so beautiful. And the same goes with Michael and Book's relationship. I love... I really love the journey that they've taken Michael on and there's going to be people out there who disagree with me on this because a lot of people think I, at least I've read online. A lot of people think that Michael is kind of going backwards um, in being uh, more pushing back against Saru, doing her own thing. But she spent a year in that century alone by herself She had to make friends, make allies, which is something that has not been easier for her, um, especially given her Vulcan upbringing. And she's learned how to live in a life without Starfleet, a life without regulations. And now she's thrown back into that regulated environment where she needs to follow rules. But she's had the example of living her own life with her own priorities and so she's trying to find the balance between the two of them and I think that's an important journey for her character is learning what she needs and what ultimately makes her happy as a whole and so I'm really enjoying the journey that they're taking her on this year and I can't wait to see where it ends up because I have a feeling It might not end up in Starfleet. It might not. I
0: am inclined to agree with you. Um, Which brings me to another person in season three that I want to talk about because it made me realize that there is a pattern in Star Trek Discovery that I've started to notice. And I want to talk about Admiral Vance, Charles Vance, the commander in chief of Starfleet in this current timeline. He is a pretty good Star Trek Admiral. Uh, In the beginning, he was admittedly a little suspicious and a little skeptical of Discovery. But when they explained the Temporal Wars and how the Federation had dissolved and all of these things were going wrong, I felt like, yeah, I can honestly see his point of view. And when he finally came around and everything checked out for Discovery and he shook Saru's hand and said, welcome home, Discovery. You're back in the fleet. Yeah, I agree, Logan. It, it was pretty exciting. <laughs> uh, it made me realize, oh, he's OK. He was just doing his due diligence, which you would expect. It's kind of what you would expect, just to make sure all the, the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. And it made me think of Admiral Cornwall from the first two seasons of Discovery. And yeah. so far, Star Trek Discovery has had two Starfleet admirals that weren't jerks. And that's pretty <laughs> impressive. Like, yes. We have had no bad morals in Star Trek Discovery so far. And that's pretty cool.
1: I I I really like um, Admiral Vance as well, and I love the actor who plays him. Uh, I originally know him from Oded Fair from the Brendan Fraser's Mummy movies back in like the nineties, I think yeah. it was. <laughs> um, so he, he, I think he was a wonderful choice, a wonderful casting, and he really projects an air of uh, authoritative. <laughs> Power, But then not quite, you know, you don't really get the bad rule vibe like he's up to something. He's just he, he's doing his job and he's got a lot on his plate. And one of the scenes that really hits me was in the the latest episode, Scavengers, where um, Saru and Burnham come to him at the end of the episode after Burnham kind of goes rogue on her own thing and he looks at Saru and he's like, you know, I, I wish you would have trusted me enough to inform me of this beforehand because I her her mission did actually provide good intel and I I, I, I would have possibly deemed it worthy, you know, like it it, it kind of makes like Saru has to gain that trust with him as well because he, as much as he, um, he had to learn to trust Saru in order to welcome discovery. And uh, Saru has to gain that trust with him as well and know that he can bring things like that to him. Uh, so he, they don't have to worry about just these are the orders and we have to follow them. Like if something comes up, he can bring it to him and, they can go about it without having to break the rules too. So I, I, I really liked that, that he, he, he really pushed for, well, you know, maybe you should have talked to me about this and, and then we wouldn't have been in this situation where she had to go off rogue. And <laughs> And she lost the her position as first officer. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I like fans too. I th- Fingers crossed knock on wood uh, we don't have any major bad roles yet no no
0: question for you who do you think will be Saru's number one now
1: I don't know um,
0: I keep thinking about it and for whatever reason I keep going back to Linus <laughs>
1: <laughs> and i just say to
0: myself how cool would that be it would be a star trek series with an with two aliens as the captain and the first officer that'd really be something
1: um i mean i, I have a feeling i don't think he's going to <laughs> as soon as he
0: figures out the portable transporter
1: <laughs> yeah. i i don't think saru's gonna promote someone else number one just yet um I think he he's just going to kind of do without it for the time being until he feels out uh, where Michael's head's at and what's going on with everybody else, because there's not someone who automatically comes to mind. I mean, when you look at like the episodes we've seen so far, when both Burnham and Saru were off the ship, I think Lieutenant Nielsen was usually the one that he left in charge but she's like especially out of all the the characters the, and on the bridge crew she's probably the one that we've seen the least and know the least about so i'm not quite sure it would be her um i i think he's just kind of gonna go without and and we'll see where and it you know it honestly wouldn't surprise me if he possibly meets like another uh, someone who's actually a part of the Starfleet um, in the 32nd century. And that ultimately ends up being his number one on the ship. So it's someone from the current starfleet who joins the crew to be his number one. I could see that happening over him promoting someone else on the ship over Michael.
0: That would actually be pretty cool. Um there seems to be a spot open now with uh Lieutenant Commander Non leaving Discovery. So yeah. a new cast member, that would actually be pretty cool. Uh someone to help the Discovery crew through this future that they're still very very unsure about i i love that and, idea that's a great and idea. all
1: the new technology the upgrades that they have on the ship it would make sense to have someone from the current timeline uh stay on the ship to help them with the new upgrades while they're learning about them and then maybe that would ultimately be the person who gets to be his number one
0: more than just adira who has plenty of their own things going on right now
1: oh yeah yeah yeah
0: adira's got a few other things on their plate <laughs> But, yeah, I love that idea. I love that idea. Uh, and, yeah, Discovery Season 3. I feel like this is the season. I think this is the one.
1: I I do, too. One more thing before we move on to other things that we didn't talk about yet, because you know I love my girl, Georgelle. Oh, yeah. What do you think is going on with her flashback slash episode slash whatever's going on in her head. Visions, whatever you want to call them.
0: I think that whomever that gentleman was, played by the legendary David Cronenberg, probably did something while Giorgio was in that interrogation room. And he seemed to really be interested in the Terran species. And something tells me that this might have something to do with... to to get really really sci-fi this may have some kind of biological reaction that has to do with Giorgio being terran and being in this universe and going through all of these different things that have happened like jumping through time and staying in this universe and it reminds me about how uh Lorca from the Terran universe, he couldn't stay in the light for too long because uh, I guess that was like a biological difference between humans in this universe and Terrans. Yeah, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe something biologically is causing Giorgio to not be totally okay, and maybe it's something this gentleman knows about. Uh, I think it's safe to say that this is almost certainly uh, a quasi-backdoor pilot to the upcoming Section 31 series. I think he's definitely going to play a role in that. I don't think that's really a secret. But I think that this will probably have something to do with Giorgio being Terran and not entirely fitting in this universe, which she doesn't.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I I think the same thing, too. I I think it's definitely something he's got something to do with with what's going on. And somehow, like, I think he might have triggered it uh, because, like, when they were doing the interrogation things, she specifically asked him why he was wearing glasses. And he's one of the first characters that you've seen in all of Starfleet wearing glasses. Because most people don't. They can fix your eyesight in the future whatever. So I think it had something to do with the glasses that he was wearing. That he somehow triggered something in her biology to cause this. Uh, Almost like how she used the blinking to break his holograms. (laughs) Uh, So they did something to each other. But The one interesting thing I'm finding is like, especially in some of the longer visions that she's had, you're seeing pictures of someone who died. And I think she's seeing the visions of her Michael that died in her universe. Because like right after that, when Michael was questioning her about what was going on, Um, She says something along the lines of, like, like, because Michael tells her that she's not alone, it's okay. And she says something along the lines of, you know, I once had another Michael Burnham who told me the same thing, and we know how that turned out. So I think she's seeing visions of her Michael's death, which might be why it's affecting her more prominently, because that was her her daughter, her adoptive daughter in that universe.
0: Do we know who killed the Terran Burnham? Um.
1: Okay. So, and I didn't catch this myself because I don't really focus that much attention, but I saw someone mention online that in one one of the visions, um, she says the name Sam. Sam. And, Sam was a character from the giorgio led novel that just came out this year called Die Standing. And Sam in the Mirror Universe was essentially like her pet assassin, (laughs) a psychopath who killed all sorts of people for her. So we know that her Michael... betrayed her to go off with Lorca or to help Lorca uh, plan to overthrow her. So it might make sense. And even if she didn't intend it, because you see in some of the flashbacks, she looks really upset upon finding the body that somehow she gave this psychopath, the notion that she wanted Michael dead and he was the one that killed her. That's my theory. Don't, Put any stock into that. That's just little thoughts floating around in my head. But that's what we're
0: still We're still looking for hints to the Short Trek Calypso out here. (laughs) So anything is possible. And that's the fun of it, though. That's the fun of all of this, that we have things to discuss and we have things to look forward to. That's the fun of it, right?
1: Oh, yeah, because, I mean, we're having new like the new discovery novels have all at some point or another semi tied in different things that have happened into the series. Even though people talk about the books, not technically being canon, they still connect because it's all the same universe and they still connect in little different ways and reference each other in different ways. So, I mean, that's, the wonderful part about discussing Star Trek right now is that you can pick the tiniest little things and discuss how they connect to one another.
0: And what's cool about it is that right now, we still don't know what's going to happen. We don't have a memory alpha or decades of history to look back on because it's all still being written right now. We're still going forward. And that's the thing that I love the most is that the history is still being written. Yeah. Like the upcoming episode is called unification part three. And (laughs) I'll be live tweeting that on at prom track pod plug, plug uh, for hashtag disco on the prom. And just that alone, it feels big. It feels huge. Uh, I, I just looked back recently at unification part two from the next generation. That was a big episode. That was a big yes. big episode, so it just it just feels like there's so many more things happening, and that's exciting that that to me is the most exciting thing right now is that we are seeing a universe that has been around for decades grow and create more, and that's so exciting
1: and as much as we're like in the open frontier because we we don't have uh a a certain timeline or a certain canon to adhere to, they're still taking all these bits and pieces of things that have come before it. And it's influencing the stories that we're seeing now in the 32nd century. And that's, I I, I mean, that's what makes Star Trek so amazing that even though we're still building new stories and we're still building, new characters and new adventures and new worlds. So we're still taking what has come in the 50 plus years before and using that to influence the stories that we're telling now. And that's what I love about Star Trek.
0: That's right. We're, we're boldly going forward, aren't we?
1: Boldly going forward. Love that. (laughs) Uh,
0: Speaking of, uh, boldly going forward. We're going to have some more Star Trek Discovery, everybody, because Star Trek Discovery Season 4 has started filming. So, hey, it's still not canceled, everybody.
1: (laughs) Still not canceled. You know when our illustrious captain, Doug Jones, posts the video of him shaving his head before filming starts. You know filming's about to start. And... Doug Jones has shaved his head. We are filming season four right now. I just, it, it it's still not canceled. It's still moving forward. And even in this time that we're currently in with the pandemic, where it, it's not safe to gather in large groups, um, I just wanted to say I really appreciate everyone in the entertainment industry because they are putting themselves out here, out there. They like discovery films in Canada, almost like all the major casts don't live in Canada. So when they went back up there to film, they had to quarantine for 14 days before they could even start getting back to work. I mean, they're, they're putting themselves out there in order ...to make this show, to entertain all of this fans. And with everything going on right now, like, we as fans need it more than ever. And I just can't say enough how much I appreciate every single member of the Star Trek cast and crew for being willing... To do this and put themselves out there and put themselves in a situation where they have to go to work every day, even though everybody has to wear masks like you and take their mask off right before they film like they're putting themselves out here out there in order to entertain all of us and make all of us feel better. And that's really it's a selfless thing to do because they don't have to do that. They could find other ways to make money if they wanted to, but they're doing it anyway. And I love them for it.
0: Same big, same. And I love that. This is a, a franchise and a series that I have grown to truly appreciate and truly love that is still here. It's still here throughout it all uh we don't have to look in the past and live in the past for our star trek we have star trek right here right now to look forward to and that makes me so happy that we don't have to be stuck in the past and again we're boldly going and we're looking forward into the future and that makes me incredibly happy and it makes me incredibly happy to continue talking about Star Trek with you, Heather, on the Promenade Merchants podcast. Uh, thank you, as always. We're back at full force. Uh, everything is repaired. We're back up and running. Uh, Heather, you're going to be moving, but we'll still be around. We won't be gone. Uh, and we're, we're just looking forward to what's going on. Uh, Heather, please let everybody know what you've got going on aside from your move and
1: I'll take it home. Uh, well, you know, I, I'm just, I'm looking forward to a new year, <laughs> a, a new beginnings. Uh, I'm moving to a new apartment. Uh, I'm just as much as it's so stressful with everything going on and all the different changes, I'm looking forward to um, a lot of new opportunities. And, uh, you know, that includes this show and talking with you. And, you know, this is our 18th episode. So we, in about two more episodes, we're going to invite another guest. So I want to put it out there right now that if you're interested in coming on the show and talking with us, uh, let us know. And send us a message at and Or,
0: we don't throw this one out enough, send us an email at pod at gmail.com. Let there us you know go. what you got going on.
1: There you go. Because we... As, as much as we love chatting with each other, about every five episodes, we love to have someone on to chat with us. So um, I'm just throwing it out there that I need some suggestions. <laughs> I want to see the interest, to see who's listening, and see who really wants to come on and talk with us. So hit us up on Twitter, send us an email, or you can even write us a review on the podcast player of your choice because I sit there and check the reviews on iTunes, which is the one that I use. So uh, write us a review and send us a copy of that. (laughs) And we will add your name to hopefully what will be a growing list of people who want to come on and chat with us.
0: Yeah. All, All we're doing is talking about Star Trek. I promise I don't bite. Heather's great. Y'all already know that if you're listening to that. Heather's great. I promise I will be nice. I'll be on my best behavior. And I won't curse, even though it's new Star Trek and that happens now. I promise I won't curse. Uh, I was going to say, ne- I think
1: I was the one that cursed in this episode. You uh, maybe, didn't even curse. I cursed. Maybe. Maybe.
0: <laughs> but we can do that now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Until next time, thank you all for listening to the Promenade Merchants. Walk with the prophets, everybody. Live long and prosper and uh, take care of your portable transporter.